Hey, everybody, and welcome to a very special Be Better Tomorrow. I'm your host, Jason Fisher. Uh, this episode's going to be a little bit different. I was interviewed recently, well, not too recently, a few months ago, by my friend Cameron Williamson for his show, By Imitation Only. We get into a ton of great topics, and I finally decided to release this episode as part of this feed because I wanted you to hear a little bit more about me, what it's like when I interact with somebody I'm friends with, kind of feel out a little bit more of who I am as a person. Now, he was inter- interviewing me for his show, so we're going to talk about a lot of things that we've talked about on this show before. Uh, it's just a great conversation between two serial entrepreneurs who are both trying to hustle and make something happen, and I think we're a lot of fun, especially if you like things like professional wrestling, which we touch on a little bit, and really anything else, because we're great people. And stay tuned after the sh- after this episode for a really special announcement for Be Better Tomorrow. Hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello. Welcome to the show. My name is Cameron Williamson, and this is By Imitation Only. Today's guest, Mr. Jason Fisher, uh, actor extraordinaire, podcaster, public speaker, etc., etc., etc. We're actually going to be interviewing each other today. So this is going to be an interesting show. But uh, first of all, please. Introduce yourself. Well, you say my name is Jason Fisher. I've been acting, directing, podcasting, talking, uh, all around BSing my entire life, and I finally found a way to put it to some good use. That's what I like to say. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> That's remarkably similar. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're kind of doing this like uh, together show. We've been trying to figure out how to get each other on the show at the same time. Um, we live in Ohio, so the weather's been insane, but yeah. we have found a way to be in the same room at the same time, yes. even though we live like 15 minutes away from each other. Well, 15 minutes this morning with the snow, but normally I think it's 10. It's not yeah, right. Yeah. Like we're, we're, you know, a couple stones throws away. Yeah. But anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, I guess welcome to your show as well. We're, yeah. we're going to do the back and forth thing. I've never been welcome to my own show. <laughs> welcome to your own show. This is awesome. Yeah, this is cool. So, uh, well, I guess we can start with the podcasting thing. So, yeah. um, my podcast is by imitation only. Uh, I talk about creativity and I talk about entrepreneurship and kind of how those two things go together, if at all possible. Um, The real point of the show is that most of the time creatives are terrible at business and vice versa. And so hopefully my show can kind of, you know, go between those two groups of people and make business people creative and make creatives some money. Or at least uh, let them meet each other so they can share. Right, right. Yeah, at least out. find all the translators and say, hey, if, you know, if you need help with this thing, then talk to this lawyer. If you need help with this money, then talk to this person. If you need a graphics artist, then, you know, whatever. So you have two podcasts. I do. So tell me about both of them. I guess uh, one is close to this one and one is a little different. Yeah, I was a little jealous. We had this idea kind of at the same time. Um, My show is called Be Better Tomorrow, Mm. and I'm targeting people who are in two positions. Either they're looking to get out of their current role and do something else. So they're looking for that side hustle or a way to improve so they can can find that path out, Mm. or they're perfectly happy where they are, which is kind of where I am. I like my day job. I just want to find ways that I can improve along the way. Okay. I want to be better at what I'm doing. I want to learn those skills to to get me where I want to go in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other podcast is Reading Radio. I'm only a part-time producer on that, as I'd like to say right now. My okay. daughter, Laura, is actually taking over a lot of the editing. Nice. She does all the updates. Yeah. She's not as motivated as she needs to be sometimes, so I'm still urging her along. She's 13. Still motivating, I understand. But we read young adult fiction together and kind of review Mm. it from a father-daughter perspective. Yeah. It just keeps us us engaged. Even if nobody listens, it's it's fun to do because it gives us topics to talk about through the book. Like, 
We talked about a lot of government stuff when we talked read The Hunger Games. Mm. Um, we talk about post-apocalyptic stuff in the future when we read those kind of books. And it, it brings us closer in our relationship, but it's just a ton of fun. And right. I, I would love to have people reading books along with us, yeah. then listening to the podcast, commenting on the, on the blog, so we can have... I mean, mostly adults are on Facebook. The kids aren't on Facebook. Yes, that's true. But they we can all talk, Facebook. you know, how does this book reflect this aspect of your life? Or how can you think about this conversation with your kids? Mm. So it's a lot of that kind of thing. Okay. Going back to the first podcast, sure. uh, Be Better Tomorrow. So are we talking like self-improvement? Are we talking about like tactical business stuff? It's been a little bit of both. Okay. So <clears throat> only three episodes in, trying mm. to still trying to figure out the voice of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I follow Austin Kleon's model, you steal like an artist. <laughs> so you first figure out what it is everyone else is doing, yeah. why they're doing it, and then you break the rules accordingly. So right. I'm still in that learning what the rules of podcasting are. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned the technical side doing reading radio. It started about a year earlier. Yeah. I figured I could test it with her, and it doesn't matter if it blows up. Right. Nobody cares, totally. Right? Totally. It's a kid's podcast. Yeah. Um, although we're doing much better with it now. Be Better Tomorrow right now is about figuring out what that looks like. So I've had a friend of mine who's a marketing guy. It was how to, how to market yourself, how to get your name out there, uh, what kind of basic things you need to make sure you have set up before you get going. Uh, then I had a friend who's a virtual assistant. So what does it mean to have a virtual assistant? What does that term even mean? How do you investigate those people to get what you need done, done. We were just talking upstairs. A lot of times people get into something because they want to do X. Mm-hmm. They find out that Y and Z have to be done. They don't want to do Y and Z. Right. And Y and Z right. will take up all your time. <laughs> so yeah. you hire a virtual assistant who's good at Y and Z to get that off your plate so you can focus on the thing you really want to do and focus on the thing you're good at. Gotcha. Uh, third was a guy who, who was blinded for six months due to a brain issue. And so he's find, helping people find their vision. His, his show's called, or, or his message is A Radical Vision. And it's about finding what that means, your blind spots, how they affect your life. So it's been a little bit of everything. Hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out which direction I want to go. Right now, the people I know and the people I can get involved, that's, that's where those people are. So I want to talk to people, though, about goal setting, people who are authors and speakers that have a good message that, that they want to get out. I want to have those soft skills, but also that tactical strategy of, of okay, I've read a million books. I've gone to seminars. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. What do I do next? And yeah, I think yeah. you and I kind of had some of that Yeah, experience. that's true. True that. True. So ultimately, I am the audience I'm speaking to. So if no one else listens, I'm learning and I'm happy. Right. But I would like to help other people accomplish those same things. Cool. Very cool. I like that. I uh I have not gotten to a listen yet. I'll be honest, but I'm out. <laughs> hey man, I'm making my own podcast. Um, and I'm finally have a producer, so I actually have some time again to ah. actually do that kind of things. Shout out to Jason Sanders, you were the man. So um, that's so kind of your own virtual assistant. You wouldn't call him that, but he's doing what for you? Uh, he's doing basically the editing of this show, so the video and the audio. All that kind of stuff from here is going to get recorded and sent off to Dayton, and he's going to make it really cool and send me packages once they're done. Thank you so much, because good editing adds 10 IQ points, and I appreciate every single one of them. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Pause. Hold on a second, guys. Thank you for watching us, but we uh, I got to press a button that I didn't press. I'm just noticing there's something wrong. (laughs) Oh, good. Do we have to redo everything? We don't have to redo everything. <laughs> That's why I always have a backup. Got it. Because, yeah, this is trying to not autofocus. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Also, now we're not dark, but we are blurry. So, so yes, now we're dark. Now, now we're less dark. Um, all right, cool. So... That's a good cut spot, so it's okay. It was. We can put in our commercials. Now. Yes, we'll put in our commercials. <laughs> yeah, our commercials. Because <laughs> we, we totally... 
this, uh, have those. <laughs> this show is brought to you by JasonRFisher.com. If you're looking to increase your influence through public speaking, check out JasonRFisher.com and his amazing resources that will help you find your voice and speak your message. Love that. That was good. That was very nice. That was off the cuff. Nice. It was good. I, I felt it. I felt it. Um, so, out of curiosity, when you go to your website, what uh, what do you provide there? Is that the, is that like uh, uh, advising, or is that like business products, or that website? Yeah, yeah, that website. Uh, right now, it's more it's in its blog stage and mm-hmm. contact. Okay. So I'm looking at developing courses. Um, I have one basic presentation skills course that I've done for a couple charity organizations. Mm. Uh, AmeriCorps here in Ohio had their leaders all come in for a conference and they're not public speakers. They're more like public servants. They're actually out there helping people in their various programs, Mm. but they need to talk about those programs. They need to train people. And so they were looking for that kind of assistance. I see. So I was able to come in, give them some just basic tips and we workshopped it. So I also made them stand up and speak, which they hated, but loved at the same time. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a good, it's a good way to get experience with that. I mean, it's supposed to be like the top, phobia of everybody yeah. in the world is public speaking. And the only way you can get better at it, unfortunately, is to do it. Right. So I heard yeah, a, yeah. a great quote from uh, Jordan Peterson the other day. It was, the fool precedes the master. And mm. if you don't want to be the fool, you can never, you can never be, be the, the master. master. I like that. That's good. And so most people, the fear is they don't want to be the fool. Mm. You and I were the personalities that we didn't care. Right. We, we were able to jump in. We wanted to be the center of attention. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I've worked with people who shake and had to sit down during their first attempt at speaking. Wow. And, like, couldn't even finish. Yeah. And then we talked through some things, worked through it. The next time, they were still shaky, but, I mean, they're just developing. It was better. But yeah, now, yeah, yeah. now, I watch him talking, I'm like, that cannot be the same guy. <laughs> he just got over it because he realized it's not that big It's just deal. practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like, uh, you know, I like Gary Vee, and he, he says a lot, you can't just think about push-ups. <laughs> like if only you could. Yeah, you can't just think about push-ups. You have to actually do them. There's no way that you can learn technique all day. You can, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, but you have to actually go through the steps. You have to go yes. through the process, the long arduous process for some, but you have to do it in order to gain any type of foothold there. But speaking of things that we've gotten into, uh theater. We both have a uh, a long and storied dramatic background. That's true. That true. Uh which helps together for a while. Yeah, yeah, together for a while. For your uh I mean you do a ton of public speaking, which I would like to get into. Um that would be very very cool to be like a keynote speaker. Yes. I think it'll be awesome. Um but tell me about a little bit of of your theater slash drama background and uh how that worked into your public speaking. So probably like you I started when I was Eight school plays and that yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with the stage. Fell in love with the attention. Really, is what it boils down to. <laughs> um, did it all. Did it through high school. Ran my own uh, drama troupe for churches, mm-hmm. like kind of in high school, and yeah. came out here for college, where there was already a, a group. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And so yeah. joined. That's actually, I think, where we met. That's where we met. Yeah. And so that was more. I don't know what you say. Impromptu. Something impromptu because we we'd practice, but our practice, our writing was impromptu. Right. We just run through stuff until we liked it. It was just like. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about that right. Yeah, and then we we okay, and then we do none the of that when we were on stage. <laughs> that's not <laughs> we kept some of it in, but there was always there was always the fun game of can I make him laugh so much that he loses his concentration? And yes, you know we were having fun with yeah. him along with the audience. Right, we were kind of the. Uh, we were kind of the advanced group. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did, we called ourselves the drama dudes cause that was like, you know, deep. Yeah. Um, and, but we were, you know, it was all very, very much, you know, like, okay, I like this. I like this. Here's the blocks. Let's go. Great. Oh yeah. And make sure you say fish on stage. Just make sure that you say that. 
That's the only like, thing I had to remember. And that's that's what that was it. You got to make sure that that's important. The rest of it is just how do we get there? You and know? honestly, so when I got into Toastmasters, mm. the, thing that, the thing that really clicked with me was what they call table topics, but it's impromptu. It's made okay. up on the fly. You yeah. get up, they ask you a question, you got two minutes, go. And I think that theater experience really lent itself to that. Right. So I'm one of the only people in the contest, tip for anybody in Toastmasters, when they ask the question, I stop and I breathe mm-hmm. and I think. Right. And most people jump right in. You just get on this bunny trail of stream of consciousness kind of stuff that doesn't right. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I stop, you intro, have to, three points, close, yeah, go. Yeah, beginning, middle, end, yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think all of that theater background helped with that. Along with, they talk about the 10,000 hour rule for, for getting good at something. Mm, yeah, yeah. And what it, what it does is it builds muscle memory and instincts around the craft that you're trying to accomplish. So mm-hmm. I don't have to think about blocking to the audience. Right. For those of you listening or yeah. don't know, that's making sure you're facing the audience in the right way at the right time. Right. Um, there's old, there's some tricks to doing it that I've just become natural at because my directors for years said, hey, you're looking away when you're talking. You need to look at the audience a little bit, even though it feels unnatural. Right, totally. Those things come to me naturally, and I don't even realize that it helps me in public speaking. Hmm. Part of being a teacher and coaching and those sort of things is breaking that stuff down and going, why did they do what they did? Ah, that's why. Here's what this here's what this person needs to do to help them be better because they don't have those instincts yet. Yeah. And that's what makes a good director, I think, is building that muscle and building those instincts and helping you understand why so you don't fight with them. <laughs> true, true. And I, I love that stuff. It's like, you know, I'll be sitting watching a something with my wife. Be like, oh, oh, did you see that? Did you see <laughs> did you see when they did that? Did you see that? Because they, they turned their head. They turned their head like that. They went like that. They were saying a word. And it was like, oh, that was cool. I love that. Wait, run that back. Let me see them turn their head again. Theater people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which, another common thing we have, which I, nobody gets this, I think, unless they've done live theater, is watching professional wrestling. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> like, Dwayne Johnson is probably the most dynamic live performer, and he knows how to play a crowd. Yeah. Totally. And in most theater, the crowd's not that crazy and that into it. They're not right. really a member of the cast, whereas yeah. in professional wrestling, they, they are. They are. Yes, <laughs> but, they're very unruly, partially drunk member of the cast. <laughs> and a lot of, well, I don't know what cast you work. That's normal. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who watch professional wrestling and just think it's this ridiculous redneck soap opera, which right. it is. It is. But we love it. And yes. if you, you can watch it, because there's just nothing like it as far as live performances right. go. Live, live every time it's new performances, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, like cats has been running forever, but it's the same show. It's the yeah. same show. Every time right. wrestling is a different show every time, multiple times a week, which is insane. I mean, it's the current day circus, which is very cool. And I, I'm partial to the circus, uh, rest in peace, Burnham and Bailey. <laughs> that, that kind of hurt my, that hurt my soul. Uh, well, when they got rid of the elephants, I knew it was. Only yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of going to go and from there. Cirque du Soleil just ate their lunch. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, you know, I, without being too political, you know, I think that there's, as long as the animals are treated properly and then putting that in there, right. you know, that it's, it's a way that people are going to actually get close to those animals. It's like, if not, then it's just cable TV discovery channel. Oh, look, elephants exist somewhere, you know? And I think there's, that goes a long way toward conservation and stuff like that. But anyway, well, as much as the majesty can be seen on TV until mm. you stand next to an elephant and really grasp the grandeur of that animal. Yeah. You, you just don't get it. Yeah. It you TV. don't get it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I think too. It's like, you, you can see it and like, okay, that's a thing that exists. But like, you know, this huge animal that's standing right next to you, you know, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, yeah. out of the circus. Um, so public speaking, 
how do you actually get started when you want to do, okay, I want to speak on speaking or I want to speak on business or I want to, how does that go from an idea to an actual gig? That's a great question. And it's, it's different for everybody. Mm. So some people have a natural path where they're just able to do it. Uh, I work in a consulting company. So there's a lot of opportunities for me to talk about different business topics. Uh, maybe not in a full, hey, get up and give a 15 minute keynote, but maybe in a in this meeting, we're going to introduce this topic to our client because we want to sell this particular thing to them. Mm-hmm. You're in, introing the topic. You've got to give them an understanding so we're all on the same page. Ah. So that's a path for me in business. Okay. Doing public speaking for me was a little different because, as I said, I was a member of Toastmasters, toastmasters.org. Mention it in almost every podcast I do. Now I'm doing it here. <laughs> it's a great place to get started for practice. Mm. I consider it like the gym of public speaking. Great okay. people, supportive. You go in and you can figure out what your message is and kind of craft it. It's like doing open mics for a comic. Uh, and I got in, they have, they have contests, mainly two. One's the international speech contest, which mm-hmm. is, I'm missing this year just because of life. But if you go all the way to the, to the international level, you become the world champion of public speaking. That is my goal. Hmm. I want to accomplish that. And that you're pretty much a guaranteed paid public speaker for at least the rest of the, that year. Yeah. You win that. Okay. That's one route to go about it. Uh, I've been able to help people in my organization when they have, like, we've had two women go give TED Talks for, like, the TEDx Talks for Women here in Columbus. They haven't spoken in a while. We sat down. We, we went over their message. So I can help craft the message, tighten it up. There's, a, there's so many little tweaks that you can do just to help people along there. So I've been able to help build kind of my practice by helping, helping these people get out and actually do public speaking. Hmm. Um, being a mentor in my Toastmasters cl- Club helped a lot because I'm building my craft as a coach by helping right. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not just Learned coming by in teaching. Going, yeah, right. I know exactly what I'm doing. Let me tell you, I've actually learned how to teach people mm-hmm. to build that process. So now it's just a matter of reaching out and going, here's why your organization needs help with this because no one pays attention in your meetings when people start talking. True that. You turn them off in the first three seconds by apologizing for how little you prepared. Don't do that. <laughs> if you didn't pre- care enough about this meeting to prepare, I don't care enough to listen, and True. I'm on my phone. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, or, I mean, most people bring their laptops to meetings, so not, I, I don't even have to pretend I can be working. And right. I'm, I'm, now I'm the busy guy in the meeting who doesn't right. have time to listen. You just ruin your you ruin your message by doing little things that you don't even realize you're doing. It's true. It's true. I've always thought, well, not always, but recently thought about I would like to start teaching public speaking and technology. You know, so yeah, because there are so many people that are not only terrified to speak, but terrified that for some reason the laptop that they use every day at work is going to suddenly burst into flames during their speech. (laughs) And just being able to speak and run a PowerPoint presentation at the same time, those are like a big deal. You know, when you're in a larger meeting and you have a lavalier microphone, that changes your life. You know, there's things like that. On top of that, like if you have a lavalier, a PowerPoint, and a sound guy in the back of the room, that changes things again. Here's the tip. Ignore the sound guy. Yeah, ignore the sound guy. He's doing his job. He's good at what he does. Something going wrong is probably your fault, but he'll fix it. Yes. And please, 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 just for me, from from your man Cam Cam. I'm afraid to take a drink. (laughs) Do not start your speech with, is this mic on? For the love. (laughs) Please, don't do that. Please. <laughs> hey man, my brother. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. 
I have a whole list of things not to do to open up mm-hmm. your speech, and that that is one of them. Yes. Yeah. Please don't. Just don't. One, what you're saying is, I think there's going to be a problem. Two, the audience says, oh, he thinks there's going to be a problem. <laughs> there's probably going to be a problem. And when you start looking for problems, mm-hmm. you find problems. And you've now made the sound guy angry, who is your best friend in the room. Don't right. make the sound guy angry. Yeah, sound guys are like ninjas. They don't want anybody to see them doing what they're doing. That's why they always wear black. It's true. Anyway, yeah. so I'd love to do that kind of public speaking thing. Lots of hands-on, you know, same kind of deal, speaking, but speaking with a PowerPoint or speaking yeah. with a microphone, speaking with a handheld microphone versus a lavalier, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, unless you grow up doing something where you're holding a microphone, yeah. mic skills are not natural. Yeah, it's really not. You know, or, you know, I'm sure we've all seen the or been around the person that holds the mic at their waist because, yeah. you know, <laughs> Way down here. because you're speaking out of your belly button or, you know, like <laughs> that sort of deal. Maybe so, it's not their belly button. It's closer. <laughs> I don't want to reach around <laughs> talking out of their butt. Nice. But anyway, so just a, just a thought there. But yeah, tell me more about Toastmasters. I've always thought it was interesting. But like, I have a very narrow area of intelligence. Okay. <laughs> so like, I've always, I've thought like, oh yeah, I'd love to be in Toastmasters, but I'd like, they're going to give me something that I know nothing about to talk about. Like, I need to talk about architecture. Oh, or... no, no, no. See, that's the, that's the thing. They don't care what you talk about. That's up to you. Mm. Except for the impromptu table topic stuff. But they okay. give you that practice just because we all get stopped in the hallway by our boss and the boss is like, hey, tell me about that thing, Johnson. And you're like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> now he's off the elevator and you've made an idiot out of yourself in front of your boss. Mm-hmm. So that goal is just to teach you how to off yeah. the cuff. And it's usually questions like, I've got, uh, what kind of toothpaste would you be for mm. a toothpaste? I mean, those kind of ridiculous questions. Yeah. Although the one at our district level competition was was this paragraph question about drug policy. Nobody ever asked those kind of questions, and I was totally thrown off. Luckily, yeah. it's about a thirty second walk to the stage. Oh, nice! <laughs> so I, yeah, you got some time. time. Get it out there, narrate. Cool. Yeah. So you and you've won multiple awards in yes. Toastmasters. Yeah. How does that happen? Like, do you just like crush other people in the room? Like, I do. I make them cry. What is that? Oh, it's tell fun. me about that. <laughs> Tell me about that. So it, I've won my particular awards in table topics. Okay. Um, that's my wife and I both competed. There's two categories. We refuse to compete against each other. Okay. It's just because our marriage is more important than our trophies. <laughs> <laughs> and so table topics is you draw, you draw lots. They bring you in one at a time. My first year of competing, I didn't get to see anyone else perform. Oh. I drew last every level of the competition somehow. Okay. So I, I don't know if I'm, I'm assuming what I'm doing right is good because it, I'm winning, but I, I'm not <laughs> yeah, able to I have watch no idea else. what, yeah, comparatively. So this year I got, well, the last year, last year I competed, I got to see a lot of that. Mm. So I got to watch other people and I, I'm, I'm always coaching when I watch people speak. Yeah. So I'm not thinking about judging, but I'm thinking about if I were to coach them, I don't give unsolicited advice. So I'm never going to come up to somebody and tell them what they did wrong. Right. But if, if I, they were to ask me, I want to be able to, to look at people that way. I watch TED Talks the same way, mm-hmm. even though they've all been coached you know, to the yes, nth degree. Right. And probably that's one thing I would say is you need to be a little bit more yourself sometimes. Um, that, so that happened with just going, competing, that asked me the question, I would think, and I would move through and rank upon rank upon rank i went to the the last thing we do is the district level which in here is most of ohio can a little kentucky a little west virginia a little indiana um so i beat over eight thousand competitors out nice. over the course of the competition i think it was well done sir i am the best bs artist in the tri-state area <laughs> that's that's what i wanted on the trophy that's pretty good that. <laughs> that's that's definitely a byline for your instagram at yeah. least yeah that's <laughs> 
I should. I should add that when we're done. That's good. I like that. Hey everybody, we're um, talking to Jason Fisher, podcast and public speaker extraordinaire. I love using that. Um, <laughs> extraordinaire is fun. Extraordinaire. Well, you're an award-winning public speaker. See? So I can do that. I love gushing about my guests. It's so good. <laughs> we uh, love being gushed about. Thank you so much. <laughs> So, um, we've talked about your podcasts, which are awesome. You have a uh, public speaking kind of, I guess, side hustle yeah. at this point. Side hustle, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, and a, a, a course on side hustling. So, that's there's that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, side hustling, no, of course, and a course. Of, oh, uh, yeah. The Coming break, Breaking news. <laughs> the side hustle course. Um, but you've done a bunch of stuff. We both have theater backgrounds, which is where we met doing uh, – Crazy improv drama stuff, so that was cool. Um, Look up in a box drama; you might find it somewhere. Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh, I didn't know that existed anywhere. I posted it, but it's an unlisted link. So okay, I only saw right. it's like you. And <laughs> okay, the- yeah. So you'll never find it. Uh, it's okay. No, we were hilarious. Um, so <laughs> you dropped a word on me earlier, and I uh, I have no idea what it means. This very rarely happens to me. I have a reasonable vocabulary. Um, but please tell me what is multi potential. Yes. So I'll give you, I'll give, let me break this to you. It was made up, I think, by the woman who did the, the book that I'm reading now. Her name's Emily Wapnick. Okay. So she. So runs, this is why I don't know this word. probably it. Okay. She runs a website called puttylike.com. Okay. But multipotentialites or multipotentialism are people who don't have that passion about one thing. Hmm. You know, you take those courses and everyone tells you, you're supposed to find your passion and pursue it, which is total horse pucky. Mm-hmm. Because anyone who has a passion doesn't have to be told to chase their passion. <laughs> True. They're chasing their passion already, True. right? True, yes. So that frustrated me to no end. And mm-hmm. I heard her on The Learning Leader, I think, first by Ryan Hawk. Okay. And I was like, this woman is preaching to my soul. <laughs> because she's always been one of those people who just... Loves a little bit about everything. Yeah. Now, I love to dive into a topic, get just to the point where diminishing returns starts to get ridiculous in one time. Right. And so I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. And yeah, so yeah. I'm reading her book now, How to Be Good at Everything. I think, I'm sorry, it's Emily Wapnick for sure. Okay. I prepared that. But I thought, like, you and I are probably both that person. Mm. And so she's interviewing, she interviews a lot of people, like, how are, who are, let me start over. She interviews a lot of people who are financially successful, happy, and multi-potentialites, and talks about how they succeeded at that. Because the first thing you think is, how do I bind all these different things that I'm doing into one place? Right, And make something happen with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I be, and the new word I just learned from one of my coaches, intentionally congruous. Mm. How do I tie everything I'm doing together so they're not in separate parallel tracks, but they're working together? yeah. And so I thought you and I could riff on that for a little bit. Yeah, we're both kind I mean of that's figuring that out, right? I mean, and, and honestly, that's kind of what my side of the podcast is about. You yeah. know, it's like all these things that don't go together, making them go together. Right. You know, and yeah, I've been that been that way my whole life. It's like, okay, yeah, I have a degree in theater. I love pro wrestling. I, you know, I make pins on a lathe in my garage. Like, <laughs> how does that work? You know. Yeah. But I mean, I've, I've always thought that too. I mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Gary V because it's just in my in my brain. And he's but Gary V is always a good person to rely on. Right? Yeah, but it, it's his big thing is about happiness and like that being the barometer of everything else. Instead of saying, okay, focus on this one thing until it's successful. I can't do that. <laughs> like I have kind of about a six month tolerance for everything. I'm too ADD to focus on one thing for a long period. Yeah, and it's like okay, I'll get I'll get good enough at things like juggling. I can juggle. I've juggled balls and pins and stuff like that, but I've only juggled three. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> I can, I can, juggle, three I can juggle three. I, I can, can juggle three pretty well. I can't do pins. I never got that good. I have some of those. They're in the garage. Okay. <laughs> They're in the garage. See? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I can do three, and I can do three pretty well. I never learned five. Because I don't really want to learn five. <laughs> it wasn't worth the effort to take that next step. Right. Exactly. It's like, okay, I'm a practitioner at this level, and that's fine. You know, yeah, like exactly. I scratched the itch, and that was it. You know? And at some point, I could go back to it. I probably won't. <laughs> you and know, you were really good at the uh, Diablo. Is that what it's called? Yeah, for a Diablo. Bit? Yeah, like I can totally do that. But I can do it to a level. Now I'm not one of the Chinese kids in Cirque du Soleil. Oh my gosh! I know they're insane. But like you know, I can I can do that. I can get by. It's cool. <laughs> There's a reason uh, challenge level Asian is a thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> like have you seen the kid who juggles three Rubik's cubes and solves them at the same time? Yes, that's insane. I like. How do you even discover that talent? Right. Same thing. I get. I, you know, I bought my kid a Rubik's cube who just decided he did not want to work on it, and I learned how to get one side done. And I'm like, all right. Good. <laughs> Good. Well, you get the white side done, and then everything else flows into place. Yeah, well, I got to the white side, and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> That'll work. But yeah, that's that's kind of the plight of the uh, multi-potentialist. Is that a word? Potentialist? Potentialite. Is what Potentialite. Is, yeah. Okay, potentialite. Okay. And it, and it is. We all, we all dive into something, and mm -hmm. then I think for the last two years, my question has been, I've got these three or four different interests that I want to pursue, and so... I'm I'm not pursuing any of them because I don't want to give any of them up for the sake of pursuing one. Other, and what I finally yeah. discovered is one, just do something. Mm -hmm. Something is better than nothing. Yep. Be okay with shutting it down in a year. If 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 be better tomorrow in a year from now is not going anywhere, I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy doing it anymore. It's really the, the barometer. Mm -hmm. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna say, hey guys, I'm gonna stop doing this and I'm focusing on this. Yeah. You know, I keep one mailing list so I can just tell everybody and they can hey, drop off go over here. if right. it no longer applies. Yeah. I hope it doesn't. I'd like to see it continue to grow. I'd right. like, like Emily Wapnick, somebody I want to interview. Yeah. You know, ultimate goal, if I could interview Gary V, right? That would yeah, be like, that'd be great. I've made it. Right. But I, you know, I have those people on my list that I want to get to, mm -hmm. but I'm not ready to get there yet because I'm still learning my craft and, and focusing on things. Right, so right. how do you find yourself bringing those different sets of skills together in what you do? Oh, dude, like to me, it's just like... I like this thing. I'm going to try to do this thing. Now, how can I do something with this thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like, okay, I bought or attained this thing and now I got to do something with it. So is that how the lathe thing got started? Uh, well, that was just because I turned 40 and said, I need to make things. <laughs> um, but I just turned 40. I've not bought a lathe for the record. <laughs> Well, it's like, I think this is just like the, the, the male side of things at a certain point in life, you have to build stuff, you know, now it can be like cars or it can be cabinets or whatever. My thing was buying a lathe. Now I've been a, a tech head my whole life. You know, I play video games. I just bought an HTC Vive virtual reality. Ooh, it's the future. You know, like technical stuff has been my side of things, but like I hit 40 and I'm like, I want to make something. <laughs> I, should, I should learn to craft. I should, yes, I should learn to. You know, in case there's a zombie apocalypse, we will have all yep. the round wooden <laughs> objects we could possibly. Podcasters have. will not be useful in the zombie apocalypse <laughs> at all, at all. But um, as far as everything else, I was just thinking this as you were saying it. Like, man, if you dug up everything that I've just posted online, I'd be like, I would really look like I was schizophrenic. Like, I had 
a YouTube show about anime and I had another YouTube channel that was about DJing and performance. I had another YouTube. That's a, this podcast. I have, you know, I have stuff on my Facebook that is just the ends of the earth. Like, Hey, I found this toy today and it's a plastic dinosaur that bites your finger and it's kind of hurts my finger. You shouldn't give this to kids. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, but, but did you find you were learning through teaching those things? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, so it's totally. still, it's still accomplished something. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like I would not be able to do this right now. Like we're, streaming live to Facebook and I'm recording on a camera and this is going to get sent to somebody else. And, and that's all coming from like me having a Twitch channel where I play video games. And then I got tired of playing video games on Twitch. And so I started DJing on Twitch and you know, but it's still all these different skill sets come together eventually, right. you know? And I think I've always just had that belief of do what you do and it will come together. Right. You know, now a lot of times you got some spare parts, but it yeah. will come together, you know? Uh, and like you said, the, my, my favorite hashtag is hashtag do something, you yes. know, you are always better off if you take some kind of step, no matter what, you know, even making the wrong decision, at least you've learned something in the process instead of letting life happen. I, I tell my kids all the time, there's so much to be learned from failure that we fear. But failure helps us to learn what not to do. It helps us to learn so many aspects. If, we, if we're circumspective, like, why did that fail? Mm. Why did nobody watch this show? Right. Oh, it's because I was rambling and didn't plan anything, and it, it just dropped people's attention. Sure. What did, why did that show not do well? Oh, mm -hmm. okay, well, the guest was a little flat, and I was a little flat because I was sick that day. Yeah. We learn those things, and we start to understand how to do things better through the process of failure and self-examination. Right. So failure is never failure if you learn from it and you get back up and go. Yeah. And I mean, then this is, <laughs> I'm referencing Gary Vee so much today. Um, it's another, another thing that he says about, about failure. It's like, everybody's so afraid of it. And it's not because you're afraid to fail. It's you're afraid of what other people will think of you failing. Yes. You know, when we were planning for this show, um, and I don't even know if you, you caught that you said it. He's like, you know, what are we going to talk about? And Jason says, Oh, what are we going to talk about? Like, I don't know. And he's like, well, you've tried a lot of things. I'm like, yeah, I have. And I'm like, Ooh, you've tried a lot of things. What did he mean by that? And I'm like, I know Jay is my friend. We've been friends forever. And I know he wasn't trying to say anything, but I'm like, wait a minute. Wow. That got really deep, really fast. Oh, see, totally. That was because I've been reading this stuff about multi-potentialism. Yeah. I, I was thinking in that vein. And right. So it's like, I want to talk to somebody else who has the same issue <laughs> <laughs> right right but it's like my thought was oh well you've tried but you haven't succeeded right and it's yeah. like i had to i really had to go back to the gary v thing which is like wait a minute no like whether he thinks i've succeeded or not like my success or my failure is still mine it's yours to decide man yeah. yeah it's still mine and it's like and i should hold those both just as tight Instead of like the successes are all these wonderful things and the failures are the things I try not to show anybody, yeah. you know, it's like, no way, man. I should like totally tell you that my first business was selling balloons and I sold one bouquet of balloons and you should never fill them up two days before you try to sell them because uh. the helium won't hold for two days, <laughs> you know, but that was like. That was something that I learned when I was 15, you know? I also learned that if you can't buy a giant tank of helium, then it's not worth it. But anyway, <laughs> you know, like, that's something that we don't share our failures. No, I just wrote down here, like, a hall of failure. We should have, especially more successful people, I think, should show those things that they tried and didn't work. Mm -hmm. And you can even say, look, I tried this thing, I learned X, Y, and Z, but mm -hmm. it wasn't. I learned it wasn't for me, ultimately. Right. Or I learned... 
it just wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. A lot of times when you try to turn something fun into a business, it stops being fun. Right. And so maybe that's the case. Yeah, yeah. But I think helping all of us who are trying to be more successful see that, you know, we in Instagram and Facebook world, it's all the successes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, I rented this Lamborghini real. so I could take a picture in front of it and right. make think that it's mine. Yeah. But in reality, they're f- people are failing over and over and they're afraid to show that off. Mm-hmm. And I think if we could all show that a little bit more, like yeah. if we need like hashtag I failed today or something. That yeah, just that's a good. stream of, of what I did, what I tried that didn't work, but what I, what I how it made me better, mm-hmm. I think would be successful. Yeah. I mean, and, and part of it, I think, is one, nobody's used to just documenting, period. You know, that's true. It's like most stuff. I mean, if you saw Jeff Bezos documenting when Amazon was in the basement of somebody else's business, that's a totally different thing than look at Jeff Bezos and his car and he owns Amazon and all these conglomerates and Elon Musk and PayPal and all that kind of stuff. You see the top end of the iceberg instead of everything that built up to it. But you know what? Elon Musk is probably the closest thing to this because he is living full force in the in the now. And mm-hmm. so SpaceX is, okay, it's doing great things, but is it is it losing money? What's going on? He's yeah. got that solar venture that had potential, but I heard is dealing with financial issues. Tesla's doing good, but having manufacturing issues. Like He's out there showing you, here's the places where I'm failing, mm-hmm. but what I'm doing is important enough to fail and, and, and get continue. through it. Yeah. And he's... Elon freaking Musk. He's, he's the closest thing we have to Tony Stark. Right. Like, if yes. anyone yeah. is going to get us into space, I think it's him. Like, yeah. 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 I, I agree. I agree completely. And I think it's it's interesting that we kind of give him a buy now. In what way? It's because like, yeah, the media is saying, oh, you know, Tesla's having trouble, but it's a headline, and we don't think about that for more than half a second. You know, it's like, I mean, unless you're, unless you're out to get him, you know, it's like you kind of say, oh, one day I want to be Elon Musk, but you don't think one day I would like to have Elon Musk's problems and and his failure rate and his, you know, and that's a, that's totally different. We give him a buy. It's like Jeff Bezos is getting a divorce right now. We say, oh, well, you know, it happens. Poor little rich boy. Yeah. Right. Oh, well it happens. And you know, it's out of your mind. You don't even dwell on his failure, you know, because they've managed to document all the good stuff, you know. Yeah. Like I'd be glad to have those problems. Yeah, I, I wish know. I had yeah, yeah, I wish I didn't have that problem. All right, everybody. I'm here with Cameron Williamson. I'm gonna steal his intro now because even though it's his show, it's gonna take this over. <laughs> so you've had you have a lot of theater background too and you're still pretty active in the local theater company. I am. How's that helping you do what you're doing today? Oh wow. Um it removes all the shame from my life. Nice. <laughs> I just <laughs> I think you have to have the I don't care gene to be a theater person. You know, Um, I I think that there's there's two sides of it. And there's a there's the same duality in the show, but uh, there's two sides of it. One. Yes, I I like being on stage and telling a story and, and, you know, kind of giving an experience to my audience. And two, I I really enjoy kind of living that other life. You know, there's, there's, those are the two things. I think that like whatever character that I play, um, I was I, what other life you had that I didn't know about. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, this is just getting dark. What happened? <laughs> no, not, well, not that, not a, that other life. No, but I think as a, as a theater guy, and I'm going to get really like heady as far as theater here in a second. Um, I think that when you're on stage playing a character and I think this is out kind of outside of comedy world, but uh, because you're sort of a brand of yourself when you're doing comedy, generally. In long-form theater, I feel like you sort of have to inhabit the character's life. So you're a method guy? 
Uh, not, not truly method cause that gets weird. Um, <laughs> but I think that while I'm on stage, I have to be thinking what my character would be thinking. And so everything that you say that's in the script has to make sense to the character, Yeah, absolutely. you know? Uh, and so I have to figure out what all the thoughts are around what I'm saying. So if I'm on stage and say, I hate you, I can't just say, I hate you and put the right inflection on it. And that makes it acting like, no, not really. Cause the yeah. audience will, will feel that that's somewhat ingenuine. Right. So what I have to do is figure out what is causing me to say this, you know, and if we were roommates and you wrecked my car and then didn't tell me and you know, whatever. Is this a true story? No, okay. we were never roommates. <laughs> not us. Uh, somebody. <laughs> no, 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 nobody ever wrecked my car. Um, but a great story. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I have to have that. I have to know what what my motivation is. I hate that word, but <laughs> I, I have to know that because then it's going to come out that way. There's a, there's like a branding that has to happen when I say I hate you. You know, right. the audience, I should, or at least I should try to let the audience know, I'm not saying I hate you because I bumped into you in the hallway 30 years later. Like, no, I'm not saying that. That's not, that's not why. I'm saying it because 30 years before, you wrecked my car, and that was very special to me. Whatever. You know, and so that kind of existence on stage is just, it's really deep for me. It's like, I'm, I'm not a naturally emotional person. And I think I kind of get to explore some other emotional states when I, yeah, when I'm, when I'm doing the theater thing. I mean, I did, um, just recently, the last major play that I was in major play, meaning suburban community theater, um, <laughs> uh, was called return to the forbidden planet. It's a really hokey comedy, you know, but I got to play the mad scientist guy and I won't go into too much story, but at one point in the story, I have to walk off of a spaceship to my death. And I had to put myself in a place where I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to die. You know, I mean, and to the point where I could actually cry on stage and stuff like that. And it's like, that's never going to be an experience I have in real life. God willing, uh, <laughs> you know, but like to actually really believe for that two minutes of time that I'm going to step out of an airlock and die in the cold blackness of space is kind of a big deal, you know? And it's like, I, I've always thought that that theater people take a part of that any character they do, they take a part of that character with them, you know? And it's like that state of living, that state of being is in a little tiny box somewhere in the back of my head. And I think that's why theater people can also, can be crazy, first of all. And two, can be, can, crazy. Can be crazy. Yeah. Are, can are crazy. Um, and that's also why they connect so much. I think that's why that when you see Hollywood and like all these actors getting together and, oh, we're married, oh, we met on the show and then we got married and, the, you know, it's that because those relationships, at least for that time, are real. Yeah. You know, because it, it, if they're not, then it never comes across to the audience. Yeah, that theater romance is, is real right. for a reason. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. You know, and, and uh, though I've never had any theater romances like that, um, that's still very special to me. You know, and that's why I love theater. I mean, beyond the the audience side of things, you know, the experience that I have that I'm living a set of circumstances that I'll never live, you know, but yet I did, 
you know, yeah. at a certain point I had a daughter named Miranda that, you know, I raised in space and my wife left me and, you know, all this other stuff that, you know, is real for the moment, you know, and it's, it's very cool, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it ends up in a little keepsake box in the back of my head. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And so how does that draw into everything else you're doing? Um, well, I think it just lets me do this kind of stuff and it's just cool. You know, it's another experience, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say a drug, but it's like, I kind of feel like it is. It's like every time I do a podcast, I'm having a completely different experience than I've ever had before that may not have happened any other point in my life. You know, it's like, we've known each other forever and we've never had this kind of conversation. You know, I've met a lot of other people in life and said, Hey, you're cool. You should come on my show. Hey, you're cool. You should come on my show. Then we sit down and we have a conversation that is like, Whoa, this is blowing my mind or, Whoa, this is really interesting. Or, wow, I never thought of it that way or that kind of stuff. I mean, I eat that up, you know? And if I can help somebody else in the process, which is the people listening or watching, then even better, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm helping connect your skill set or your thought process to a bunch of other people that probably need it. So that just makes me love it. And again, it's that experiential thing, you know, so I get something out of it and I'm like, wow, this is, this is a moment here. Right. And on top of that, when somebody says on my Instagram or on my Facebook or whatever, oh, wow. Yeah. I never thought of business that way. Or, oh, wow. I never thought of creativity that way. Or, wow, I should probably get a lawyer because I want to do a patent on something. Or, you know, these are all things that have actually happened, you know, like, wow, I'm having these great experiences myself. I'm hanging out with awesome, cool people and I'm helping other people, you know, and that's kind of the same deal with theater. You know, I'm hanging out with awesome people. I'm giving an experience to somebody else and I get some cool, you know, like side prizes in the process, you know, tell me a story like for my guests who've never, maybe never heard of you or listened to you, maybe yours who haven't watched the whole back catalog, Mm. something, one of those experiences that happened and it was just amazing because you never thought of how this could come together the way it did. Like one of your guests, one of those socials. Oh, goodness. Goodness. (laughs) Um, well, I mean, I think probably, well, I have two, but I think my, my biggest guest so far is a local artist named Darren Hoover. Uh, yes, who made all this stuff. I have paintings in uh, all over my house. Uh, he's amazing. He's just one of those people I've looked up to as a creative most of my life. And to have him sit down and say, this is the reason that I did this painting. This is like these guys here. Like, I love these. I, I worked, you know, for him doing sound or something and he gave me some paintings. Um, but to have him say like, okay, I made these and I used crayons. Really? (laughs) You know, and not only did I use crayon because it's faster and it's not charcoal or something that's going to smear or whatever. I use crayons because I knew that when I make this, then I'm going to have to make, you know, a bunch of them. And when I make a bunch of them, I have to be able to make them quickly. And so this skill set that I have that, you know, has taken me all over the world and I could do this amazing like Van Gogh-esque kind of stuff, but I'm using a very small set of skills in order to produce a product, not just a piece of art. Interesting. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) Like, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, like, yeah, he could be painting the Sistine Chapel, but instead he's like, okay, I'm an artist, yet I need to have a product. I need to, you know, and invest as much thought in the fact that it's a product as I do in the fact that it's art. Right. 
And I think your podcast kind of fills that hole for people because you have to find a way to balance what mm. fills your heart with what fills your wallet. Right. Because right. We all got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And how how do you find ways to not compromise your art, but still find a way to get paid to do the thing that you love to do? Yeah. I mean, I had another another uh, guest on just recently, Elaine Latrell. Latrell. I keep trying to say her name wrong. Latrell. And uh, um, she was talking about the same thing. She's a real big financial, you know, money person, but she helps creatives not starve to death. It's a great mission. <laughs> right. That's her thing. And she's like, you know, her whole deal was like, all right, I understand that you're going to be like, oh, I have to, you know, make a dress and I need to have this fabric and I need to have this thing and it's going to be a big deal. And if I eat ramen, that's okay. And she's like, okay, wait, slow down. Now, ramen is not okay. How do we do both? Wait, real ramen is great. <laughs> Insta ramen, maybe Insta, not so much. Yeah, Insta ramen is not okay. And how do we make this fit? How do we make this fit your life? No, I'm not telling you you can't buy silk from wherever you're going to buy it, and it's super expensive, and you're willing to sacrifice the next three meals for it. But how do we give you a functional plan that will give you the money to buy the, the fabric that you need and still eat? You know, how do we make that go together? I called her a translator. And I'm like, because that's really what she is. She's like, you know, all these like really dynamic art people that are like, oh, I need a project. I'm going to go do this thing. It's going to be great. And not thinking about the all the other circumstances that are going to come after the fact. You know. Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? uh, (laughs) A couple of times. Okay. (laughs) I thought one of the things that really caught me, and I don't know how much truth there is to this, Mm. but when when Freddie comes back to the band, and I'm not spoiling anything in the movie, but he says, basically, I hired musicians, and they did whatever I asked them to. And basically, that's why I wasn't as good by myself, because he needed those constraints. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of creatives don't think they need constraints. Yeah. But constraint breeds creativity. Oh yeah, I'm way more creative when yeah. I have when I have something that I can't do. Right. If I could give you a million dollars to do whatever you want to do, you'd probably sit on it for a minute like I don't know. Yeah, but if I yeah, said what I want I you to do something in this framework or this mm-hmm. pattern, then yeah. the juices start how can I make that rule fit what I want to do? Right. The creative juices just start flowing. Yeah, I mean I was on a dance team for a while, you know this. I was yeah. on a hip hop dance team for most of my life. Um and I would, whenever I was doing choreography, I would always pick something that I wasn't going to do. Like, I have to, I can't stand up. I'm going to dance in a chair. Oh, so you set set a rule on yourself to help build that. Yeah, some some kind of space that, like, okay, here's your fences. Got it. You know, like, I have to work in push ups to this dance. I have to do whatever. Because if not, I just, there's too much. You know, it's like you, I think you need to have a sandbox, you know, and I'm so much better in those kind of situations. And like, that's again, the theater thing because improv. Um, But yeah, I love that. You know, I used to think, well, you know, when I finally have all this room to play, I'll be my best self. And it's like, then when you finally get there, you're like, there's too much. I can't, there's too many ideas. Too many options. There's, yeah, there's too many options. It's like when you say, all right, cool. And I, we did this. I think, I, I, I oh, crud, I forget now. I want to tell a story and I can't remember if you were there. Um, tell it anyway. I'll tell you if I was We there. were hanging out. This is like, you know, early 20s time. Okay. And we were bored out of our minds. As you were before the internet was everywhere. True. Um, and we, uh, me, you, are current wives and some other friends went to Meyer, which is like Walmart 
and we had to figure out how to buy the most items for a dollar. Were you there for that, or am I crazy? It sounds familiar. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, and uh, it was twenty years ago. Yes, it was quite a while. Uh, but that was just how we had fun back then. Uh, but, yeah, but, no internet, no cell phone. Right. But we each got a dollar, and we had to figure out how to buy the most items within the store for a dollar. And it's like, dude, that was so much fun. I mean, obviously, I remember it after all this time. But it's like it's those kind of constraints that breed creativity. Absolutely. You know, it's like, okay, I got to make this out of this. You know, I need to make, you know, a sandcastle out of pudding. You know, how do I do that? With, with a lot of sand. Yeah, right. <laughs> or cornstarch or whatever you use. To See? <laughs> like, now, See? <laughs> so, can I sidebar off that for a second? Please do. So all I think all guys suffer from this problem. We work really hard to win our wives in our 20s when we're broke. Mm. And we're super creative. Yeah. And then when we're married and we've got money and mm-hmm. we could do anything. Right. We don't do anything. <laughs> it's true. It's I mean, true. How, I, I'll it's just true. confess, but how many times you, well, you just don't pursue me like you did when you were young. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I have no argument, but I don't know why that is. And I think there's something there. I mean, one, there was the chase. And all yes. Guys just love the chase. Yeah, true. But we were constrained. We had to figure out how to do stuff with with, with nothing. nothing, right? Like, how do I make going to the bookstore? Oh, we've uh-huh. got this great little bookstore down the, downtown where mm. it's thirty-two rooms, rooms being very loosely used. Right. But you, let's go in this place and find a book that reminds me of you. That mm-hmm. that's the adventure. Let's go play a game with it. Yeah. And that little stuff, like, yeah, you just don't think about doing because we have all the options in the world open to us. Right. Actually, that was a, was a thing that me and my my current well, current my only. How do I say that? Your wife. My wife. I was gonna. Well, then it was we were dating, and so it was like my, now, now, wife, now my wife. When we were dating. Now, yes, when we. Oh, Before I get you. There's wife. yeah. There's no way this is gonna end well, so I'm gonna keep <laughs> going. Uh, we would Sorry, New Year's <laughs> yeah New Year's Day. We would always have some kind of quest that we were going on. Um, and I, I think the the one that, one that I remember the most is we're going to go to every mall in the city. And back when we had tw- back when yeah back when we had a bunch of malls and we go to every mall in the city and buy something you know it was like a piece of candy or whatever but it was just so we could say we went to every mall in the city one year we were looking for uh, this is back when VHS was a thing um, we were looking for a VHS of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker and we just went everywhere we could go <laughs> to find Michael Jackson's Moonwalker that was our quest for the day. Uh, you know, like that kind of thing. I, I totally get you. Totally. Yeah. That was totally not in the topic of either of our shows. No, no, no. Yeah. You can take it. Yeah. There you go. Guys, New Year's Day. Creative. Moonwalker. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as back to the theater thing because I could talk about that all day. Um, what are you, what are your takeaways from theater? I'm, I'm a little more like college boy theater and you are a little more rogue theater. Rogue theater. I'm street theater, man. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got the street hustle cred. Um, <laughs> It, part of it was obviously those improv skills. Mm-hmm. I don't get caught off guard very easily. Yeah. And if I do, I'm pretty good. At, okay. Now I've got an answer. It right. Took me just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that yes and, the first thing they teach you in every improv mm-hmm. class, you run with it. And so I've gotten accustomed to doing that even when, you know, you come into a scene and somebody changes it completely. Like we were rescuing someone from a building. Now we're professional wrestling. And okay. <laughs> I'm the masked marauder. Let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah, didn't you take a chair shot one day for... Maybe. 
that, I, if I did, I couldn't remember. Right. This is back during the Attitude Era when wrestling was really cool. X Factor. <laughs> yeah, not that X Factor. Uh, <laughs> Rumble's coming up. Yes. I'm so excited about the I'm Rumble. Very, this is again has nothing to do with the show, but uh, but, but we both still but, love yes, wrestling. we both still love wrestling. Uh, the Royal Rumble is coming up. I have not been this excited about a pay per view the entire time I've been watching this time. It's I did, been I did a take while. A, like 10, yeah, yeah. You off. took a kind of a sabbatical from wrestling. Yeah, when The Rock left, there was nothing left to watch as far as I was concerned. <laughs> you are, you're an anti John Cena guy. I hate you? John Cena. Oh, man. I respect him as a person. Yeah. I respect him as an athlete. Yeah. When, without a second thought, the big show says, I would rather be in his arms than anybody else's. Mm. Much respect. Yeah. I just don't like his character. Yeah. I mean, like, you don't like, you know, Super Cena. As, as the character, I don't like the I don't like the Golden Boy. I didn't like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I, like I love the Attitude Era because there was no Golden Boy. Yeah, I well, don't. I like, mean, you can say Stone Cold. I mean, he was the antihero, but yeah. he was still the like Golden anti-heroes. Boy. Okay, like, okay, I okay. hate Superman. I got gotcha. I hate Hulk Hogan. I hate John Cena. Yeah, like if they took John Cena heel, I would be all over it. Yeah, but, but you got to think he was a heel. He was a heel when he started. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, when he was rapping and you know had all he the gold just, chains and all you that, didn't, he you was didn't a love heel. to hate him. You just hated him. There's a difference. <laughs> like, there's certain characters that you love to hate. When, yeah. when Kurt Angle was the bad guy and the "You suck" chant started, you yeah. love to hate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You respect him, but you love to hate him. John mm-hmm. Cena was just like, "Who's this idiot? I don't, I don't like, get him off the stage." I thought of, he was hilarious back then. Well, I, it was, I wasn't watching a whole lot. So yeah, it's true. I mean, I mean, yeah, that was he was the only guy after the you know the I guess it became the ruthless aggression era, which was his line. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was nobody else, and I guess I kind of feel like that's the issue now is there aren't any good heels. I mean, there no. just aren't. No, Alexa Bliss um, is the best heel they have. Yeah, true. I love Alexa, Ohio chick. Go Buckeyes. Um, <laughs> she's she's from a local around here. Um, but yeah, she's she's a really good heel. But as far as like guys on the roster, like yeah. who is there? It's like there, you know, are the big butt kickers, and then there's the not so big butt kickers. And that's and that was that fifty fifty booking they've gotten into where yeah. just, everyone has to win an equal number of matches, which is kind of silly and it's i think i don't know i mean this is this is an issue i have with like writing we should like start a new podcast i know this right is a totally new podcast right now um, we just lost everybody yeah like what weren't we talking about business and multi-potentialism um but you have the, to be a multi-potentialite to be a professional wrestler i'll bring it around yeah there you go you have to yeah because you got to talk you got to you got to be have the physical athletic ability physicality physicality physical yeah. yeah physicality um but yeah i think it's the the issue that they're struggling with is is kind of what we talked about before is that there's too many options yeah. you have you know you have as many writers as you have stars right and nobody is trying to forward the story they're trying to forward their career as a writer and I think that's the biggest issue that they have. And then you have a lot of fans that just are contrary no matter what. That's true. And I think that's a that's a big issue too. Um, it's again too many options. There's so much out there, YouTube and the, the WWE, WWE network and all the social media platforms. You have so much input, you know, that you are more concerned about the input than just getting a little piece of the story, you know. But anyway, there you go. There's yeah. there's there's a connection there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it back around. So I learned a lot watching wrestling yes. for theater, in like theater, public speaking, everything I'm 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 doing now. Mm. I always say, like when I do table topics, the impromptu speaking, I learned that from Dusty Rhodes. Yes, like I learned how the American to, Dream, Dusty Rhodes. I learned how to 
get up there because I would. I mean, they call them promos in professional wrestling. I grew up just cutting my own promos, mm. learning how because I wanted to be a professional wrestler. It's yeah. only when I realized I will never be muscular enough. <laughs> like I was just never going to be, and I don't like pain. That's, yeah. <laughs> you can call it fake all day long. Those yeah. chair shots are real. Those, yeah. those bumps are real. They get yeah. Having actually up. having actually done that, it's real. Yeah. Go watch. Go look at Ronda Rousey's video after she got beat with the kendo stick and just yeah, see the bruises. The bruises and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I've done I've done a little a uh, little amateur pro wrestling. It was never big, yeah. but you know, five ten matches and. Yes, it all hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, it all hurts. And it's like you feel like you're 20 years older the next day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like being in a – um oh, crud. I forget who said it. I don't remember. And I, I think it was – no, it wasn't. Okay, I don't know. Um, somebody once somebody said. Somebody once said in the wrestling business, every bump you take is like being in a slow-speed car crash. And it's like that's what you're taking multiple times in a ring – all day, you know, like every day, of the week. every it day. Yeah. Right. Right. But anyway, AEW, I'm really excited about that. We, again, we'll start a new wrestling, podcast. new wrestling podcast. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think we are almost out of time, at least on my side of the world. So let me hit all your social medias. Go. Ah, see, we, they should have me write these all down. Ahead of time. <laughs> I've got too many. So for URLs, it's jasonrfisher.com mm-hmm. for speaking and presenting. It's BeBetterTomorrow.com for the podcast. Reading-Radio.com mm-hmm. for the Young Adult Fiction Podcast. If you have kids, you can jump, come join that. Any other of the social medias are all linked on there on the front page. Uh, if you want 50 free speaking tips, there's little blurbs. If you're looking to do something, but you're not ready to like pay for a course or something, you can go to JasonRFisher.com, sign up, get those free tips mailed to you right away. They'll help you immensely if you just listen and try to apply one or two every time you speak. So we can go with that. Cool. Social media, Instagram, uh, mm, Facebook, yeah, JRF Twitter. Development is, mm-hmm. my, is the best Instagram for me. I don't really use Twitter, but I have one. I just kind of push to it. It's Jason R. Fisher. Mm-hmm. R is very important. Jason R. R. Fisher. I don't R. know who the other guy is, but he gets a lot of my stuff and he's angry. <laughs> um, every so often, he sends an email to every Jason A, Jason B, Jason C. <laughs> like, I don't know who got this. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Instagram is Be Better Tomorrow. Uh, be better tomorrow. Be better podcast and reading radio podcast. Uh, I believe. <laughs> Sad. I set them all up at the same time, and I have trouble remembering what they all set up as. My daughter runs that. What yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll, the all, they'll all be. Yeah, they'll all be in the list and the show notes and down here in cool like lower thirds. I'm doing this like it's going to be here. During right in here, lower thirds will all come up, and Ta-da. you'll see all that stuff. Um. So yes. All those, and you can find this podcast at By Imitation Only everywhere. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a Snapchat. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that uh, still a thing? It is still a thing. Okay. Um, it's, it's not posted too very often, but we do have one. Uh, it's just By Imitation Only all over the place. If you want to find me for real, I'm uh, Cam1Arthur on Facebook uh, and also on Instagram just for personal stuff. If you want a pen or an actor, let me know. Uh, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. This for being great. on. I think we're, well, I guess, and yes, thank you for being on your show. Yeah. Um, thank you for being on my show. They, yes, we're having shows together, so this is kind of a bonus uh, bonus track for, for both of us. Had a good time. Yeah, thank you for really coming fun. by. Thank you for coming by. I got to talk about theater and wrestling and fun stuff. That's always fun. <laughs> it's always good. Thank you for watching on Thanks Facebook. Everybody. Come and see us. Make sure you uh, leave us a comment and uh, tell all your friends about me. We'll see you next time.
was so much fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Would love to do more stuff like that. So if you have a podcast and you need guests, reach out and let me know. I think it's a great time. Here's the thing. Be Better Tomorrow is coming up on its one-year anniversary, and I have had a ton of time doing it. And like I talked about in that show, I'm still learning about what I'm doing and what direction I'm going. And Be Better Tomorrow is going to take a slight change from what it is right now. Now, I know a lot of you are very attached to what we do, saying that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but I really need to be in intentionally congruous, as one of my mentors has told me. I've got a lot of irons in the fire going a lot of different directions, and I'm really trying to focus my efforts in doing things that are all con congruous with each other, make things that are alike. Uh, maybe it's something I'll talk about on the show as it goes. So I'm going to be doing a lot more talking on the show. I'm still going to have some great interviews. I have a few lined up for the future, but I want to be able to go through my own material, not material, go through my own topics, talk about leadership and some of the things that I'm learning and growing and teaching on and looking to speak on in the future. So I'm going to be using this episode to explore some of those things, look to teach you and myself as I learn about things like the, the curse of knowledge, about different leadership styles, about different personality assessments and how they work together. Some things that I think are really applicable to our day-to-day -day life and how we do things. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. I'd love to hear topics you'd like to hear explored. And I hope you'll stick around as we enter into the second year of Be Better Tomorrow.